The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. The gospel of the Lord. Pray with me, please. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you speak to us yet again today to your people, through your people, Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we might have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say and that we might respond. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Well, again, I just want to reiterate how Joyful it is to gather and celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism. It, we, we, we celebrated that with four infants. You heard the ages of the infants today. And for those of you that are here, you might be wondering, why do we do that? Why don't we wait until they're of age? Why do we baptize infants? What's up with that? And I just want to take a minute to explain the, our tradition of faith and what the theology is behind what we just did as I said when we walked around it's not just a churchy thing that we do Jesus said go into all the world and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit so that we celebrate the sacrament of baptism we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Eucharist a sacrament is just an outward and visible sign of what's taking place inside So what's happening here, we take the the visible sign of of water and we take the visible sign of of bread and wine. And, And it's the Lord Jesus Christ that takes these symbols to symbolize what's happening inside. When we come to the table and kneel and we receive that, when we bring our children up here and they receive the water, there's nothing magical about the water in that font there. There's nothing magical about the bread and the wine. If you were to put it under a microscope, it'd be bread and it'd be wine. And if you wanted to look at that water and do it under a microscope, it's going to be H2O. There's nothing magical about that. But a sacrament only has value because of what brings value to the sacrament. And I say this time and time again, it's like, a, it's like a $20 bill only has value because of what stands behind that $20 bill. It's the U.S. government that brings value to that green sheet of paper. And in the very same way, what we do with the sprinkling of water on infants has value because of who stands behind that. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is a big deal. And one day, these children 
They have entered into the family of God, but one day they're going to know that they know that they know that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. They will receive him in a personal way, and that's because Jesus stands behind that. He's going to see to it. It might be when they're 10. It might be when they're 90. It's going to happen. So we celebrate that so that it's not a churchy thing that we do, that we just make an excuse to have family reunions. It, it's, it's, a, it's a holy thing that we do. And the Lord said, go into all the world and baptize. And the Lord said, when you come to this table, do so in remembrance of me. So it's a big deal. And we celebrate that. And it's always a joyful occasion. Today, I want to take the opportunity, opportunity to briefly look at that gospel uh, that I read out of, out of Matthew. It's, uh, this gospel that's not only found in Matthew, but it's found in Mark. And then Jesus says the most remarkable th- thing in this gospel to this Canaanite woman. He says, woman, you have great faith. He only said that two times as we read the New Testament today in this reading. And he said it just a little bit earlier in Matthew 8 to, to a, a Roman centurion that wanted his daughter healed. Two times he said, you have great faith. And I want to look at that today in the context of this conversation with this Canaanite woman. Great faith. It's just a simple story. But yet we can miss what the Lord is saying to us in this story. His word is alive and active. This woman that we read today could care less about the political climate of the day. She could care less about the social issues of the day. This woman that we read about today, she's got one focus, and that focus is her daughter. And we're going to see what faith and prayer and what love looks like when we face adversity in this world. It brings us back to what in the world does it really mean to trust in Jesus? Y'all probably all know um, Eugene Peterson. He's quoted as saying that the Bible should never be the footnote to the news of the day, but rather the day's news should always be just the footnote to the Bible. That's profound. Because you see, our culture's got it all mixed up. We don't read the culture into the Bible. We read the Bible into the culture. And we see problems with that today. So we're going to look, Lord, What is it you're saying to us today about faith? What makes faith so great? Faith like hers. Last week, if you were here, you you remember that Peter was out on a boat, in a boat with his disciples. They They were in the middle of a storm. And today we see that this Canaanite woman's in the middle of her own storm. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. This woman keeps her eyes focused on Jesus. What is it about great faith that we need to consider today in our day, in our time, in our culture? First, what we we see in this story today is that this woman has a great need. We see that right in the beginning. She's got a great need. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering from demon possession. She's got great need. Great faith begins with great need. And that's exactly what Jesus says when he's standing and he's delivering that sermon on the mount. How does he say that? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Great need. Being poor in spirit. Realizing, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I can't, I can't make it right. As hard as I try, I can't do it. I can't fix myself. I can't fix my family. I can't fix the culture, the world around me. We need Jesus. Simple, profound. I mean, this woman is desperate. Her daughter is, is tormented by an evil spirit. And she's going to do anything she can for her daughter. She's going to even turn to a Jew. She's a Canaanite, but she's going to turn to a Jew. The Canaanites and the Israelites were enemies. And she's not only going to turn to this, to this Messiah, this Jewish Messiah, but she's going to humble herself to the point of being embarrassed. Send her away, the disciples said. Isn't there a great need in our world today? I know we all have great needs, but what about the world? What about the culture that we're living in now? We have so lost our direction. We have so lost true north. We have, we have done to truth what we shouldn't do to truth. We've made truth be whatever we want truth to be. So that way we can be walking in truth. My truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. It makes no difference as long as you believe in what you believe in. We have great need in this culture today. And it begins, great faith begins with a great need. But, but, but we see with this woman in the story today, it's not only that, but she knows where to turn. A lot of people in our world, a lot of people, maybe people here today, we don't know where to turn. We've got this need, but we don't know exactly how to fill this need. So what do we do? We turn to other things to fill that need. We turn to pornography. We turn to any addiction. We turn to our own sexual identities to fill the need that we have. And nothing, nothing will satisfy. We quote this all the time, the great Augustine. It says that we all have a God-shaped void in our hearts that can only be filled by God. She has great need. And she knows where to turn. But not only that. What do we see about this, this great faith that she has? It's persistent. What is faith? What is faith? We read faith in the, in the New Testament. Faith, pistos, is the Greek term. It, it means trust. And when we read in the New Testament, faith is always more of a verb than it is a noun. It's like an abiding trust. An abiding trust in what? Abiding trust in God. For faith to count, for faith to have any, any meat to it, there must be an object to what we trust in. We've all heard it said before, just have faith. Have faith in what? Well, I don't know, just have faith. It'll all work out. No, for faith to be faith, at least New Testament, biblical faith, there must be an object to our faith. And this woman, she persists in her faith. Did you hear what happened when she went to Jesus? My daughter, Lord have mercy, my daughter's suffering from demon possession. Did you hear what Jesus said? You're right. He didn't say a word. He was silent. She's, she knows her need. She knows who to turn to. She turns to Jesus. My, my daughter is suffering. Have mercy on me. And Jesus does not say a word. 
Does that bother you? Maybe you've experienced that in your life. I know I have with my prayer life. When, when, I, when I've had this great need and I turn to the Lord, Jesus, have mercy, Lord. And all I hear is silence. Anybody ever experienced that? I hear silence. And you know what that silence does? That silence tests and challenges what I believe. I don't, I, don't, I don't see the answer. I don't hear the answer. And there's a silence. What do we do in times like that? For a lot of us, and you know what we do? We just kind of throw our arms up. Oh, well. He doesn't hear me. Maybe we just retreat. But that's not what we see with this Canaanite woman. It's this woman who has great faith. What does she do? She, he doesn't say a word. And in fact, the disciples say, get rid of her. She's bothering us. And then Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Can you imagine that? Here's this Canaanite woman. She comes to, how does she even know to go to Jesus? Because word spread. You realize he's in a, he's in a Gentile, he's, he's in a foreign territory. I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. What did she do? She didn't retreat. She didn't throw her arms up. She didn't say, oh, well. She, she knelt before him. Lord, help me. Rather than retreating, she advanced. She went to the, to the one that she knows that can fill her need. She didn't give up. She turns to Jesus and falls to her knees. She persists in her faith, in her trust, in her abiding trust in Jesus. You see, great faith doesn't give up. Even though it might seem like there's no, there's no reason to continue to believe, she doesn't give up. That's great faith. She falls on her knees. You know what that is? Falling on our knees before Jesus? That's just worship. Worship means to draw it close enough. It's an intimate term as if, as if I'm going to kiss. And this is what this woman does. She doesn't run away. She doesn't throw her arms up. She draws closer. That's great faith. She knows her need. She knows where to turn. And she continues to trust in the one who can fill that need, even when he's silent. But you know what great faith doesn't require? And we see this in the story as well. It doesn't require our worthiness. And that's huge. Doesn't require our worthiness. Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. And she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. It's not right to take the bread from the children and give it to the dogs. Great faith doesn't require our worthiness. This woman, she knows she's not worthy. You know, sometimes when we come before the Lord in our prayers, sometimes when we fall on our knees and we don't hear a word, 
You know what we can do? We can blame ourselves, can't we? We, we haven't lived a good enough life. I haven't been good enough. Uh, I hadn't had enough faith. Or, or I, 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 I'm, somehow I've disappointed God in what I've done, and he's mad with me. How in the world can I go before the living God? How can I ask for help? He, he, he needs to tend other people, not me. I'm not worthy. This Canaanite woman knows that she's not worthy. She knows that. But guess what? She's, she's a Canaanite. She, 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 she doesn't believe in the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. She's got her own pagan God that she bows down to. She's a Canaanite. She knows she's not an Israelite. She knows she's not a Jew. She knows she's not worthy. But even the dolls eat the crumbs from under the table. Guess what? Neither are we. We aren't worthy. None of us are worthy. Great faith doesn't matter with worthiness. This is what we celebrate with these children that came up here today. They're not worthy. Mom and dad aren't worthy. None of us are worthy. But you know what? Great faith turns us to the only one who is worthy. The only one who can make us worthy. This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5. For he who knew no sin became sin. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God. It's all a grace of God. It's all what he's doing. You remember what grace is. Grace is, grace is getting what we don't deserve. We, we, we get what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Mercy and grace, they come together at the cross. She cried out for mercy. She receives grace. She gets what she doesn't deserve, and so do we. Great faith has nothing to do with worthiness. It never has, and it never will. It's just a simple gift of God's love to all of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. It's what we heard today in the first reading. We heard in Isaiah 56 that John read, Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. The Lord is speaking through Isaiah, and he's clearly proclaiming that no one is excluded from the grace of God. Even foreigners, even eunuchs, those who were excluded from worshiping, those who were not in the family, they're included. God chooses to operate in mercy and in grace. This is what we see today in this simple little story. A woman of great faith. She knew her desperation. She knew her need. She knew to take it to Jesus, and she persisted. She didn't give up. And she knew her standing as she bowed before him that she's not worthy. There's nothing that we can bring to him. He, said, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. I'm the one that's coming. I'm knocking on the door. All we do is respond to his grace. Grace. 
Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And your daughter and her daughter was healed from that very hour. Let it be so. Let's pray. I'm going to pray a prayer that Thomas Kempis wrote that I think kind of sums up this whole reading today. Thomas Kempis, who wrote The Imitation of Christ, he was in a monastery of Mount St. Agnes, and he later became a Catholic priest. Listen to what he prayed. And pray with me. My Lord Jesus, I beseech you, do not be far from me, but come quickly and help me. For vain thoughts have risen in my heart, and worldly fears have troubled me sorely. How shall I break them down? How shall I go unhurt without your help? The Lord says, I shall go before you. I shall drive away the pride of your heart. Then I shall set open the gates of spiritual knowledge and show you the privacy of your or my heart. Oh, Lord, do as you say, then all the wicked imaginings shall flee from me. This truly is my hope, and this is my only comfort, to fly to you in every trouble, to trust steadfastly in you, to call inwardly upon you, and to abide patiently in your coming and your heavenly consolations. In the name of Jesus, amen.